forever. Dog. Among gentle spirits of the air, our podcast awakens at the early dawn. It may include censored sunbathers, talking body parts, and Simpsons trivia as breathtaking as the French Alps. Matt Warburton joins us to talk Epcot's film Impressions de France, not to mention his work on The Simpsons Ride. This is podcast Les Attractions. Welcome to Podcast the Ride, a podcast about theme parks that might get a little dry, so if you're bored, just do a Beauty and the Beast sing-along instead. I'm Scott Gardner, joined by Jason Sheridan. Hi. Hey, bonjour, mon ami. <laughs> I'm very excited for an episode entitled, uh, uh, subtitled, uh, Jason Mispronounces Any Number of French Names, uh, Landmarks, Cities. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're pretty screwed. It's going to be a lot of Versace and such. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but Mike Carlson, how do you think you'll fare? Well, look, I was, I did two years of high school French, and I was uh, addressed as Bernard in that mm-hmm. class. So I do think maybe I this will all come back to me. Have I studied up on it? No. Have I relearned anything? No. But I'm hoping that I'll remember things like I'll remember how to say, uh, let's say, how do, uh, Keller A. Teal. That's what time it is. Ah. What, it's asking what time is it? Excuse me. Jeez. But so like that just came back to me now. So like we're going to have revelations like that as we go on. So I'm excited to see what's still in my brain. This is maybe your only chance to show it. This is the only application you found seemingly for two years of high school French is this yes. very episode. So don't blow it. I will try not to. <laughs> um, and I guess we'll learn about the uh, the French skills of our guest, who uh, um, mainly it seems like is a pretty pretty huge theme park fan, a pretty big Epcot head. So we're excited to talk to him. He's a, a comedy writer uh, who's worked on The Simpsons and The Mindy Project. It's Matt Warburton. Hello, hello, bonjour, mesdames and messieurs. Oh, jeez, I don't speak any French either. I feel bad. Not <laughs> one of four of us speaks a word of French. I have hmm. learned every French word I know is from either the the people introducing the movie we're about to talk about or things mentioned in the 18-minute France documentary at Epcot itself. So, yeah, That's it's going to be a tough road for the audience here. I, yeah. People, if, are coming, people are coming to it hoping for, like, kind of a Duolingo experience where they can pick some stuff up. I, I don't know. It's not coming from, I, I, you know. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how how helpful those apps are like i i this this movie reminded me like oh yeah i've always wanted to see paris and the french countryside i've always wanted to go to this and and looking up uh uh, some french language stuff i was like oh i would i would need to do some prep before i do Mm -hmm. this but um my i had like six or seven years between middle school high school and college of spanish and there was so much emphasis on finishing workbooks and worksheets and textbook chapters that I really did not do a very good job at learning how to speak it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are you calling into question the American uh, education system? 
basically? <laughs> yeah, I'm going out on a real limb here huh. and calling out the American education system. I see. Uh, well, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think actually now that I think about it, I did take some junior high French and it's just, it's it's like not practical. There's like a, must be a better way. I don't know if it's total immersion. I assume that's the best way for most people to learn a language. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not like I came out, you would think after a year of study or nine months of study that I would have some good grasp on it. And I do not. And it was also a time when my brain was actually absorbing things. So you would think, you would oh, think yeah. that would be Before good. that stops. Yes. Yeah, into, it's, it's into adulthood. <laughs> it's done. I'm just, I remember the names of the Ninja Turtles friends and I remember, uh, the pavilions at Epcot and that's about it. I was absorbing lay kids in the hall reruns, and that's what ate up most of my brain power. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. So we're it's an Epcot centric worldview here, evidently. Uh, um, and Matt, from us uh, uh, exchanging uh, DMs a little bit, yeah, it seems like you're a pretty big Epcot per like that. That's the focus of your your theme parkdom, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've always I've been going to Disney World and Epcot since I was a little kid, probably first time. I'm like a little older than you guys, probably like 84, 85. So, you know, I've been on Horizons. I was on Original World of Motion. And, you know, like Vintage Epcot is definitely my way into loving theme park stuff. Mm-hmm. It's definitely carried over. Uh, you know, and also what I will say is that a great thing, a thing that's interesting about World Showcase and uh, the French Pavilion in particular in the movie that we're talking about is like, I've, I'm also happen to be really interested in like world's fairs. And I don't know if you guys know this, but like, you know, Epcot was designed to be permanent world's fair. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, Disney yes. World has done all this. The Disney company and Imagineering had done all this work working on the 64 world's fair and things like that. I didn't realize this when I first started going to Epcot, but I was like, when I found out that like, oh, there are these things called world's fairs that are like Epcot. I, as a kid was like, oh, this is great. And so as an adult, I started, I've been to four of the, actual world's fairs which they still have nobody in america knows about them or goes to them but they still every couple of years they have one and so like i can, i am proof positive that like you that they are really very much like going to epcot and epcot's better but they're, they're still around and i will say that like the experience of the movie the impressions to france the movie we're talking about is like the most accurate sort of thing of what a real world's fair is actually like so the, the, the audience is getting a pretty good example of that like the kind of thing they show, like there are, there yeah, are films like I mean, it's a like movie this. and, you know, sort of like an imax type of movie that's basically like a, trying to get you to go there as a tourist and sell you an idea of, of the country. Of going right. to the place. Where have but you I mean, been? Like, to be honest, like, like, they'll throw money, like, I've been to, like, the North Korea Pavilion at the Chinese World's Fair in 2010, like, yeah, they, 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 you know, you'd be surprised what it would, how they can, like, gussy up a pretty awful country to make it look nice. <laughs> one of these pavilions <laughs> wow that's insane i uh yeah we're like i guess i've always I, I i my interest in world's fairs has sort of stemmed from like that there were other 80s ones with sort of the blocky retro future uh, vibe of epcot uh, uh like expo 86 i think was in uh, wait now i'm mixing it up is that montreal maybe uh um but, or there's a Knoxville one, but like, what is a, what's the feel of a current of like a post 2000 world's fair? Yeah. The ones I've been to, the, I would say the most like sort of, they, they tend to be like futuristic, but in a kind of like shopping mall kind of way. I mean, they're, they're not, there aren't a lot of rides, which is one thing I was disappointed to learn. There's, there are often like one or something, but they're, you know, mm. they're not like imagineering quality 
they're, they're sort of like car, cardboard cutouts and stuff or like a little roller coaster or something like that but um yeah i would say like uh or sort of angelinos and audience they kind of have the vibe of the new century city mall kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. but on a much 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 larger scale like to the point where it, the, the last one that i went to was 2015 which was in milan it actually had an Italy in it. And so when the Italy came to our mall here in LA, I, it was, it really transported me to the 2015 Milan world fair. <laughs> like not Italy proper, but the <laughs> version of Italy. And yeah, <laughs> they vary in quality. I will say the one in the one in Shanghai in 2010 was one of the coolest things. It, it was un, unreal that just the physical fair itself. So like, it was like a, imagine Epcot that was the size of, monaco i think it was so big Jesus. wow mind-blowing um but they you know they throw these things up and one of the cool things about world fair is they throw it up and then they tear it all down a year later and it's gone mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a cool thing about epcot is that it doesn't go away so it's like yeah. you see it and you get attached to it and you know obsess over it are World's Fairs on, do you know, on like a olympic schedule like do you know are the next few planned out basically yeah it's, um so they do a big one every five years so on the like the fives and the tens. So they were supposed to be one. The last big one was in Milan, mm-hmm. like I was saying in 2015. The next one, which got bumped because of COVID, is Dubai. Whoa, man! Uh, those guys are going to know how to do it right. Really? I I understand that they built an airport just to get in and out of it. Is how crazy. <laughs> it oh my god! <laughs> Maybe they they rescheduled it for this winter. Hmm. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Something for a future. We've all been upset about Tokyo Olympics getting canceled and like the level of tech and theming that's going to be. But now maybe suddenly I'm more disappointed by Dubai, a Dubai World's Fair not happening. The I don't think it, you, you were not on The Simpsons when there was the big run about the Knoxville World's Fair, right? That was that was uh, uh, that was before, before I was there. Yeah, I did. I did work on the Epcot episode. That was okay, like okay. Thir- 13 or 14, right? When I was first started being there. Gotcha. Which was fun because okay. I, I got, to, I, you know, I was like still too early there to really have a huge role in that, but it was a subject I knew a lot about. The issue being that Al Jean, the showrunner of The Simpsons, great guy, gave me my job, fantastic person, great writer, has a, does not like Epcot. He, it, he loves Disney stuff. He loves Disneyland. He just really has it in for Epcot. And so it was really tough to do that episode because he just wanted it to seem like really lame. <laughs> I guess that's more fun. And I guess it's a comedy show, so it's like it wouldn't be that funny if I was if the jokes were like, "Isn't this place great?" But yeah, it was it was a, a circle. I think he, the designers did a good job. There's like a, there's like horizons in the background, some shots and stuff. But oh right, yeah, and the 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 future sphere uh, uh, does feel very like you're yeah, waiting for like, spaceship like Earth was really airlines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the airplanes are like whipping people, <laughs> like dream flight sort of. Yeah. Oh, sure. When, yeah, yeah. when you were in that room, was it just a situation where you were like sitting on your hands when it would be like a joke would come up about Epcot where you're like, it's not, that's actually not accurate. Um, Absolutely. And look, I mean, yeah. I love Epcot. I'm not going to get fired over it. Sure. <laughs> no, I don't, you shouldn't have. I, uh, Epcot's not worth it, which I know that, by the way, I just said something that'll anger a lot of our audience. <laughs> You've never been in this position to yeah, potentially yeah. lose a job by yeah. saying that Epcot's okay and not bad. It's worth it to go to. It's not worth losing a good job for is what I'm saying. 
I also uh, liked the, the 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 accuracy of that that Epcot is the venue for the for a Teacher of the Year awards. That feels like the most like there is a like Eisner. Error. There was some American Teacher Awards thing that was broadcast on the Disney Channel. They do a lot, so of, a lot of like you know they would they would host big conventions and stuff like that there. So it, it kind of mm-hmm. yeah. I forget what the, the the other crazy thing was. It was I think Little Richard was the was the guest in that episode. <laughs> And, uh, you know, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. He did a great job. One thing I remember really clearly, though, was that, you know, in a script, this is a Hollywood talk audience mm. members. Yeah. <laughs> Scripts, though. There's a peek behind the curtain at the biz. There's, there's often, you know, what's called a reader or an internal on a line of dialogue in a script, right? It says, like, you know, yelling, get out of here, oh. or whatever. You know, it's like a little parent, the two parentheses with, like, how to read the line in it called a parenthetical or a reader in Hollywood terms. Okay, so there was a line for Little Richard, who's a singer, he's not a professional actor, that it, his line was, is this true, Edna? Referring to Mrs. Krabappel, Edna Krabappel. And the reader was furious, so that he would know how to read it. And I think we did 100 takes of this guy every single time. It was, furious, is this true, Edna? No, <laughs> I know it says furious, just like just anything in the parentheses. Got it, no problem. Furious, is this true, Edna? <laughs> One of my happy stories. That's great. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I want out of him. I love hearing that. <laughs> the podcast episode about the France Pavilion at Epcot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Did it have uh, to be cut up at all to make the timing right, or did he get it eventually? We got it clean. Okay. Maybe a line. Go into the- and he had done. He done. I'm curious if if any of our listeners worked on his many guest appearances on shows like Full House, and like mm-hmm. he'd done a lot of things. You know, if if, if there was a similar situation, mm-hmm. longer. Sadly, we can't ask the man himself anymore. But right. Yeah, yeah. When he passed away, I was obviously like how you what you were supposed to reflect on are his contributions to music. But I went to the many many '90s cameos of Little Richard. Yeah. So there's a good. Uh, Mother Goose, Rock and Rhyme, he's Old mm-hmm. King Cole, some very bizarre line readings in that I'm very fond of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I gotta rewatch The Simpsons one. Uh, um, and speaking of The Simpsons, before we started, you reminded us the fact that you were part of The Simpsons ride. You were one of, one of the main folks putting the ride together. That's amazing. Yes. Definitely, like, the thing I've worked on that I'm proud of, probably. It was, it was, or at least the most fun, for sure. Because, you know, as I said, coming as a person who's been obsessed with this stuff since I was a little kid to actually get to work and write. And actually that we actually, when universal came to us, because the Simpsons always has this kind of like special level of control whenever it does something, just cause it's a, like sort of a comedy institution and the way, the way the deals always work. So when the Simpsons does a video game, they can really dictate how the video game turns out. And I had come from that team. We had just done a couple of the 2000s era video games, like hit and run and some of those things. And I, I think I read on a message board back in the day that they were going to turn the Back to the Future ride into a Simpsons thing. They were going to re- redo it. And I hunted down the executive. I remember cha- literally chasing her car down and being like, hey, I heard there's a ride. I have to work on it. You have to let me do this. I, I remember stupidly at the time saying, I will do it for free. Please let me do this. Um, <laughs> 
luckily she was like, we will pay you a tiny amount of money. I was like, great. <laughs> but so, yeah. So like I, I happen to be the person who is most into this sort of stuff on the staff at that time of the Simpsons. So they kind of just let me, you know, be in charge of the project for much of its run. Uh, we had a great team. We had Matt Selman and Danny Chun and a bunch of other writers, but uh, it was, it was literally like a make a wish foundation treat for myself. Like I, I, you know, I got to really figure out like what we wanted the ride to be and go through the whole process. And it was great. It took like a year. It was kind of during the writer strike. So like we all had a ton of extra time to really make it great. And, you know, we would do these things where, you know, we would write the script. And I worked really closely with this guy, Colin Heck, who's a, our assistant director, he's a Simpsons animator. And we would work on the script. We had a little trailer on the Fox lot to do it. And then at night, they would work on a rough pencil animatic of the, of the animation for the ride. And we would ride it on the screen at Universal that night. We'd drive over oh and they would God. just project it. And we'd be in oh. the DeLoreans because the, the cars were still Back to the Future. And the ride had been open all day as a Back to the Future ride. But like we test out like the moves and stuff. Wow. I mean, Jeez. imagine. I, I mean, like heaven. <laughs> yeah, I got it. We're all suppressing. Like, we don't just want to shout uh, yeah, we noises of joy. I've never gotten over it, how insanely fun that was. Um, God, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, so it was, it was like unbelievable experience. And so, I do feel bad. I mean, as a, as a, like, we'll probably talk about this. Like, I feel like the France movie, which is one of my favorite things at Epcot, is always in danger of being replaced. It's always like, sure. it's got, it's got uh, this, this uh, Beauty and the Beast thing nipping at its heels. If that's popular, right. who knows what's going to happen, right? right. And so many great things at Epcot have, like, you know, changed over the years. Sure, sure. sure. Yes. And, you know, I, I felt like, I wasn't going to say no to the Simpsons thing, but I definitely felt bad because a lot of people loved the Back to the Future ride and were, like, annoyed that this beloved thing, which, you know, I thought was good. I didn't, it wasn't particularly, it wasn't my favorite or anything, but, like, I, you know, hey, so I've sure. been on the other side of this. I get it. Like, you know, you, if someone offers you, you're going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, with, well, with this though, I feel like, well, yeah. Was there a, like a pressure where you were like, oh, if people don't like this, I'm going to have the weight of theme park fan guilt. Cause like, I think I, the consensus I hear is some people like Simpsons. I like, we all like that Simpsons right a lot. Yeah. It's really cool. And it is like a worthy successor. But I will say that like, there were a lot of, I, I think it turned out great. It was very much like what we wanted. And it was like, got to be like about theme park stuff, which I was really happy that they let us do. Um, you know, there's not, a, it's hard to ride it now. Cause like there's a million things I wish we could still change. Cause like you're, 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 you're used to the animation process where you have forever mm -hmm. the dialogue and stuff. And, you know, it was also weird. It's a weird, it was a weird group of people. It was like, people from universal who were amazing there was fox people there was the simpsons writers and like it was there were a lot of compromises made throughout each line of dialogue and just making everything it was also an interesting challenge there aren't a lot of rides that are like actually like not just a theme park movie but like a thing you know a physical attraction where you're moving that has to like get you to pay attention to a joke being said at you right right <laughs> you're like you know being thrown around and moving into you know doing simulated like 360s and stuff it's hard to process like a joke yeah long line yeah, right, of dialogue right. so we had to make things like really simple and sometimes we do it and it wouldn't make sense and we'd have to make it simpler 
but and also there were there we actually had tested out there's a there's a thing at the end where barney the simpsons character barney burps mm-hmm. and we had actually tested out spraying a bad smell at you oh and this is right at the end of the ride after like you've been jostled around and, and we were like everyone's gonna throw up <laughs> so the burp is still there and i think the, the ride physically has the ability to throw a bad smell at you but it Whoa. doesn't do it. it was built to have a burp and then that was uh that yeah was there canceled? is one smell it's a baby powder smell mm-hmm. oh yes yeah in maggie's mouth right mm-hmm. yes and that's a nice smell so it's like nobody mm-hmm. like that but then maggie spits you out and then there's a part where barney is like front and center and he burps at you Right. Too much. It would, they would, the cleaning budget on that thing would have been disgusting. And also, those are tiered ride vehicles. Like it, it would have, you would have had a surprise from upstairs. Oh, oh yes, yeah, it would have dripped down a couple levels. Uh, you'll be happy to hear that uh, the smell in Maggie's mouth made it to our very prestigious uh, uh, fake smell final four composite oh, competition. It didn't didn't win. Didn't okay. didn't go all the way. But it was uh, in one of the sixteen competitors. So you guys should well, you know, I, 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 easy I should with go that. back and listen to this. What won? Uh, um, the ET forest. forest smell. The ET uh, forest. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The smell in the line for the ET ride. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. I think. What did the did did Maggie end up? It was in a chaos category with Rome burning from Spaceship Earth. Actually, mm-hmm. this is this is a nightmare category for you. It's your work versus uh, something I'm not. Versus your passion. I'm going with my heart on that one. That's burning Rome anytime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I voted for Maggie, then. didn't I? I can't remember. I, well, yeah, we'll have to go check. It's uh, such a specific. I don't know. It's so unique, the Maggie, uh, the talcum powder, or whatever yeah. it's called, baby powder. Excuse me. Right, right. It yes. really is what it, the inside of a baby's mouth smells like. So right. I was gonna say to give you uh, credit as a fan when we asked, like, what would you want to talk about? You led with all Epcot. Like you did not. You did not like. Um, to give another option. Yeah, we haven't. We've mostly been talking about the Simpsons track, but <laughs> yeah. you did not lead with work. You led with pleasure and fun yeah i mean epcot's my favorite um and you know you guys i feel like you guys, you guys have been doing the lord's work lately been focusing on a lot of epcot stuff thank you thank you for noticing yes it's yes. been nice <laughs> it's made us feel better <laughs> and uh yeah yeah it's it, and what i'll point out is you know pivoting to our subject here a little bit um a thing i love about the france movie is that i think i think it is the only day one epcot attraction still open basically untouched in its original form. Ooh, right. Probably. I, right, I, like right. little updates to American Adventure and stuff. So American I, Adventure is close because you have, mm-hmm. the, you know, you've got, you know, who do they add lately? Bill Cosby, Jeffrey Epstein, whoever they've added. <laughs> it is all bad. It's it is, like, yeah, it is that. <laughs> Wheaties box, the end of that thing. Whoever they add, the end of American Adventure is going to be <laughs> some sort of sex criminal within. It was like Lance Armstrong. Bill Cosby. It was an unbelievable run of like, monsters. Gil deGrasse Tyson, Zuckerberg isn't a sex monster, but he's a different yeah, I mean, a monster in other ways. Like, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson's kind of, that came and went a little bit. Elon For Musk sure. is on, and there's a lot of people who are like, I don't know. Ah, uh, noted American, Elon Musk. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> Not a good, yeah. I mean, I don't know, it's, they should just stick with like Kermit the Frog at this point or something, you know. Mm-hmm. It's safe. It's yeah, just yeah, a cur- yeah, it's a curse, really, to end up in that montage. Yeah, like when I, you know, as an adult, when I go to Epcot, I, I do gravitate towards the things that are similar to they were before. I try not to be, you know, a nostalgist completely, but your spaceship births, um, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the land, you know, th- things that things where the rides are recognizable from where they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. The France movie, which I think I didn't really appreciate when I was a kid. It's not like for kids. Yeah. It's it's I would say like the pinnacle of let's call it fancy Epcot. <laughs> for the sure, consumer yeah. of Epcot. Right, right, right. It it is the same because the China movie changed, Canada movies changed a bunch of times. You know, France holding the torch, basically the same. Yeah, which is cool to like if if what you're after from Epcot is a trip to 1982, which certainly I am as much as possible. This one very much is, and uh, yeah, just this literally is a 82 looking movie. Yeah, it's just got to be one of the only experiences untouched too, just in general, because everything Main Street's different. Everything's like even even stuff that looks the same. It is interesting that this isn't this didn't have like. You would think in the 90s they would have had like Richard Karn host something and like do a bad French accent and have like a beret on or some, something. I mean, I guess they would probably go with Richard, a real French man. They'd go with a real Gerard French guy. Gerard Depardieu, They're, but sure. then they, they, they temper it with Richard Karn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A side of Richard Karn uh, for yeah. the meal. Um, it has to have, this is what, almost 40 years now at this point, it had to have threaded a particular needle, right? It's like, it was just popular enough to stay, but not so popular mm-hmm. that they butzed with it in some significant way. They never had, like you're saying, Martin Short, or like, it, like they just kind of left it as it is. And it's been, you know, so we'll see. We'll see when that area gets a lot more attention. The uh, Ratatouille's going to be there around the corner. It, anything, the thing, you know, it's like baseball or something. Theme park business is a heartbreaking business. The thing you like is going to go away. It's temporary. You have, like, it could be there for 40 years and it's going to be gone. I know, hey, I know the French movie's not going to be there forever. I can watch the like, you know, 4K YouTube of it. Great. Not mm-hmm. the same, but yeah, yeah. it is nice that there's one thing that's kind of still in its authentic. Well, you guys were talking about, I, I listened to a little bit of the, the Living Seas episode. I see the restaurant at the living, the Coral Reef restaurant is also like pretty untouched from, yes. from its initial condition. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a few places still like that. But yeah, I, yeah, for all this stuff, it feels like enjoy anything, enjoy anything that doesn't feel like it's part of the synergy plan while you can. And I didn't mean to rhyme. I apologize, but like that's it's like it feels like as if there's no like character, if there's no something like it's got to be on the chopping block. It's got to be in their heads. So like we could get rid of this. Yeah, yeah. And we- I have tried like the last two or three times I have gone down to Disney World, I have been like, okay, I'm gonna do impressions to France. I know I did it a few times when I was younger. I I did not have a ton of like big memories of it as a kid, which I'm gonna chalk up to that my family always started at Future World and would go uh, clockwise from, like, Mexico onward and then would usually eat a large, uh, you know, uh, debilitating meal at Alfredo's um, and then uh, would kind of blitz through the the last bit of Epcot um, because we were all very tired from the large (laughs) pasta meal. And then when I went back as an adult a few times, I would always try to do impressions to France at the end of the day. And they were like, oh, the park is closing uh, soon. So we shut it down early. It was not busy tonight. And it's like, okay, all right, the French. And now it's only open at night. I think I haven't been since they, in a, since they added the Beauty and the Beast thing. But as I understand it, it's Beauty and the Beast during the day. And then at like four o'clock or something, it's, it, it's uh, adult time 
Yes. Yeah, that's weird. I, I believe it's an adult correct. film now. Something for this, the parents. Something for the parents. <laughs> I feel like this is a Twitter conversation lately. I, growing up in as an adult, have always been a counterclockwise mm. oh. visitor. Mm-hmm. Um, world showcase. So, any particular like Canada first? You had to Canada break Canada down Canada. The, the plan. Yeah. Huh. What's yeah, uh, people- um? Yeah, what do you, what do you, what, like, what, what is the route then if you're, like, is there something you want to do later? Is there something you want to do? Or, or is it, and is there a middle? Is there, like, it, the food has to be at this one spot? Uh, I think, you know, I think the, the heart of the food is, well, I think I'd like to hit, you got to time uh, American Adventure because it's, like, only shows, you know, once an hour or something like that. So you got to kind of, like, keep your eye on the clock. Mm-hmm. I think, like, gr- growing, I was a huge fan of the original Canada movie. Kid, I think my parents both liked it, and so like we were drawn that way. Or we would do this doesn't this doesn't kind of fit neatly into what we're talking about. But I would juke over to Mexico, go on you know El Rio de Tiempo or whatever. Then we would go back around do you know wow. France and Canada, and then make our way around track. hit you know <clears throat> Maelstrom or et cetera. Have you been catching the recent happenings at El Rio del Tiempo? The uh, uh, the slow removal of the animatronics. This has been an <laughs> ongoing bit, drama. Yeah, because it was so delightful when they added them. They were pretty good animatronics. Yeah, very much Mexico so. Mexico City yeah. scene. Um, yeah, now they're uh, Donald <laughs> died at some point, so he's just a potted. He became just a potted plant. Uh, am I getting that right? With was it did it have Donald's hat or something? Or was, was it, it just was a, it a plant? Cactus? A cactus with a, a sombrero? <laughs> with what a sombrero. <laughs> and then it was just, I think, the plant. And then I think it was gone entirely. And then and they just removed this morning, it. it's, cut, were, it's flat. It's they replaced all out. the robots today or yesterday with just flats of all three characters. So all the robots are gone, even though the other two seemed like they were working fine. And now it's just three cardboard cutouts, station like stationary. I'm assuming because attendance is, I believe, uh, down now that the holidays are over and that they are doing repair work or, or something. Hopefully. Assuming that's not permanent because it, it does look like suddenly there is like a bill, you know, a, a movie billboard or something in the middle of the ride. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, maybe it is a classic Epcot fan. Maybe they have like a Phantom of the Opera lives in the building and is like Mrs. El Rio, you, you know, Phantom of the... <laughs> The boat ride. The Phantom of the El Rio that's trying to like bring it back and destroying the animatronics. Oh, maybe so. Or like taking them for himself to build his own version or something. That makes sense. And then like he's like tried to get rid of the Judy Dench narration on Spaceship Earth 2. Somebody who goes around haunting Epcot trying to remove the newer stuff. Yeah. Going back to, was it Walter Cronkite? There's been like four narrators over the years. Is Jeremy Irons in there? Jeremy Irons is one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dark, sinister <laughs> version. Yes. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. Office Hours Live recorded another episode live. It was one of our great ones with the great Rory Scovel, who's got a new special out on MAX. Oh, yeah. And the Trinity's here. DJ Doug Pound. Yes, hello. And Victor Berger the Fourth. Hi, hi, hi. Can't we, wait for the fifth. We enjoy the heck out of doing the show, and so will you. If you find us on the podcast app of your choice, now.
is there one is, speaking of that of things being taken out is is there a epcot removal that makes you the the most upset is there one that is the the most heartbreaking in the whole history? i mean definitely horizons that was always my yeah, number yeah. one um yeah that one, it also just felt like it just felt like so unnecessary you know you hear stories there's a sinkhole or something you <laughs> talked about this in a previous episode but like yeah i mean i i will say that like i was never a huge journey into imagination guy but like you know that was such a downgrade it felt like for no reason um yeah, yeah. those would be the primary i i do you guys talked about this a week or two ago but like i do miss the original the ride part of uh living seas was great mm-hmm. i don't know sure. i'm sounding like a real like guy that just wants to <laughs> stay the same and i get that but you know well the, a- you know with epcot though if for the most part you don't end up with like that, you know, like the, the Frozen is one thing. Frozen is like, let's put a new property in there that that younger people want to see. I get the business logic of that. Certainly, whether or not you like the ride. The other ones are like, what if we replace a ride with a worse ride yeah. that also is an IP and that is like sleepy and uh, uh, has less stuff in it? Like the, the 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 painting in the church where they like make the make the angels jesus's face terrible or something you know what i'm talking about like (laughs) yeah they just took a beautiful picture Mm -hmm. renaissance painting and just made it kind of like a emoji version or something (laughs) yeah 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 i would say the frozen one is one where i like i do i you know i was annoyed like i always am when they change anything but like i had to be like yeah this this is good they did a good job with this Mm -hmm. features i think like a kid would like which is reasonable enough Right. You at least see, yes, a child, like someone would like this, whereas <laughs> Journey and some of these other things, I mean, Mission Space, I think people would like if it didn't, like, hurt you. <laughs> if it didn't almost, yeah, like, leave me with a feeling of, like, my chest is about to cave in. Yeah, my brain doesn't feel uh, great. It was real. Yeah. I was, yeah, I walked around World Showcase in a daze after doing it for the first time. It was crazy. And then if you yeah. turn your head to the side, forget it. You're, you're, you're out for a couple of days. Okay. I don't even. I don't think I did it. I don't even think I did that, and it was it was awful. Um, the optics of removing Horizons, like as Epcot was the the center of the Millennium Celebration festivities at Epcot, is still so wild to me. I mean, I know I talked about it on the episode. Yeah, it's, it's really like, kicking the grind. Yeah, just like oh, the future's over. Forget about it. Yeah, this is the end <laughs> of the future. And it's like mm-hmm. no, no, the end of the future comes in 2001. Don't worry about that. Optimism will go away, <laughs> but uh, we're getting an early start on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're almost there. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well. Okay. So. So impressions to France. Uh, um. I mean, let's let's say some basics about it. About this unchanged uh, uh, remnant of, of Epcot 82. Um. So yeah. So if you if for anyone listening who doesn't go see the movies very frequently, uh, in in World Showcase with all the different country pavilions there are uh there's there's films i believe in canada and in china and those are 360 degree films which we've talked about so sparingly i feel like the circle vision 3 or, yeah. or 360 rather um where uh there's screens all around you i think nine screens and you stand with railings to watch the movies which is a th- that was always a roadblock for me and, and maybe my parents too maybe just me as like a um uh, perpetually lazy kid with uh, weak chicken legs. I just got so tired always and did not want to stand against those railings. Um, so maybe I kind of did like Impressions to France for that, for that reason. You could actually sit. This was not a movie that's 
all the way around you, but it is five screens, uh, which 200 gives you degrees. 200 degrees. Yeah. yeah. So a little more than half. So you can look all the way to the side and, and there is stuff. And seemingly that was the intent that like, there was maybe even the thought that this was going to be a 360 movie also. But um, I think to make it a more elegant, stately affair where you could actually sit in a more traditional theater, they, they opted for the, for the five screens. Mm-hmm. 360 like i feel like in in pra- like i in concept is better maybe than execution like it's cool that you could look forward and back but it's like kind of i don't know it's like kind of too much sometimes it feels well, like if what you're, saying? Where you're supposed to be looking right, right so exactly like, everyone's always looking the same way and then you look behind you it's like yeah it's the you know the scene right. going away from me exactly it is yeah it's i mean yeah i would say that like you know there is a tradition of like in all the Disney parks and other places, there's the the movie attraction is always weird because you go to this place and you're supposed to walk around and get in the thing where you just go in and watch a movie. Basically, what's interesting uh-huh. to me about Impressions to France, once again, the Survivor, the one that's been around the longest, is it's not 3D, it's not a 360 movie, it's kind of just a movie. Mm-hmm. It has oh. lasts a long time, mm-hmm. which they don't often. Yeah, sort of like like a Cinerama movie. Mm-hmm. When they bring back Cinerama movies at the Cinerama Dome here in LA, like yeah, kind of technology, which was the precursor to IMAX movies and stuff like that. So it's it's like not just on a normal screen, but it's a little less gimmicky than some of these other. Yeah, and I think it's. I mean, it is interesting. It's beautiful, you know, uh, vistas and countrysides and 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 castles and abbeys. Like it, it is. I think justified. Uh in why they did this that though that, that begs the question like why didn't they just do a cinerama i was well i would say the thing that it hasn't occurred until now like really the the most similar oh, it's the opposite of a precursor thing, thing after this that it reminds me of is soaring over california mm-hmm. you know a screen it's scenes of a very specific place it's california not france and it's like just low concept it's like there's you know not a lot of narration uh-huh. it's just cool and pretty to look at right and just cuts, i mean this no is obviously transition. like suggest this is mo- you're moving with thing you're moving over hills you're moving in a lower smaller scale too on like a cart so like it's also kind of it's trying to do a little ride stuff as well um it just didn't have a th- yeah theater theater or a ride vehicle that reacted with it yet um, this is around the country, you know, like it starts in the north and you go to the south and you go to Paris at the end. There's, there's kind of like, you know, you could, if you think about it, you can kind of tr- try to find like a, a little structure to it. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's just like a nice, almost 20 minutes long. Just Yeah. I, the first thing, I, re- I was rewatching this and the first thing I was like, man, this looks better than like everything I watch now. <laughs> this looks so <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What great quality this is. Like I was like I could watch this all day. Um, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, like, it must have been so expensive to make. Yes, they didn't have like every one of those flying shots had to be with a full like helicopter with what is it mm-hmm. five cameras attached to the bottom of it? I mean, five cameras and then like whatever mechanism that you needed to sync it all up and keep it all on the same level. Like technology had to be invented to be you able to cameras. Do like each yeah. one with like you know its own film cartridge going that had to be perfectly timed i mean it's just 
yeah, which aren't like like shooting film uh, remains very difficult. I think was very difficult at the time. I listened to a podcast interview with the director of this, Rick Harper, who s- explains how. They didn't really have like a way to watch it. Like you couldn't like like there was not a very good viewfinder to see what you were even getting while going to these like very hard to get through to get to settings and getting up on helicopters like that. He used the phrase or is it like a well, we had the vibration detector like instead you couldn't see if it was level or shaking or not. You just had to see is the (laughs) vibration detector going off. It's real like NASA kind of stuff. That sounds fascinating. Like I'm, you know, in anticipation of doing this today, I watched it. Great, there's a great YouTube, you know, pretty high quality version of it. And uh, I noticed a couple of things. What one is that you can tell, like they they shot a few of the scenes on the same day because they're the first thing you're on this kind of rocky coastline, which according to Wikipedia is Normandy, you know, like northern France, like on the the coast of you know abuts England and all that stuff. And then you see that landscape in a couple other shots that aren't about that at all. Like so there's these like fishermen walking with like uh, fishing crates and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, that the coast that we just saw at the very beginning of the movie, this is like halfway through in the background. And there's a church on the top, on top of this mm-hmm. cliff. And then I think a little bit after that, there's this great shot of these, this old couple walking along the rocky cliffs next to a church. That's that church. So oh line producer brain you're like oh like they they got a bunch of pieces of it that day while they had all their stuff there and then they kind of you know made it look like a bunch of different things sure sure, yeah. sure. that's interesting that yeah. would be interesting to see i and i assume uh there would be an appetite and i'm not being facetious there would be an appetite to see like shot list call days for shooting of impressions to france and we could get like two episodes out of it if we could find this <laughs> yeah the thing i would bet on and spend a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Crazy auction. Sure. I, yeah, I was right, just right. so delighted. Like, even the, the smaller scale stuff, like, when I realized what the flower cart, what, like, it was like, oh, they just put the cameras on the cart. This is delightful. Like, this is so charming. Yeah, those little yeah. foreground flowers. It's there, pretty cute. There is, like, a, um, a nice, like, it feels nice, like, slice of life feeling in this. And I was thinking, like, I think it's, I don't know how, I think it's pretty popular, like trends on YouTube of just walking tours of cities. So like I've been, and I've been doing, I've been watching like 20 minute videos of people walking through Tokyo because we went there a couple years ago and we loved it. But I was like, well, this is just, these are just longer form versions of Impressions de France. It's just the same, like it's the same, but you're getting like snippets as opposed to like truly like 40 minutes kind of getting lost and like, oh, look at that's a street. Yeah, and it's down. long enough and you're, you're out all day in Florida. It's hot and you know, you're, you're in this little <clears throat> nice cool room for 20 minutes. It's very like, you know, really transports you. Yeah, it is. It's like, v, it's like a VR. It's precursor to VR in a way. With the wraparound? You know, I was, I was drawing a parallel to like um, World's Fair stuff. Like to me, it really reminds me of like the great IMAX movies. Another thing that I mm-hmm. love and IMAX movies were developed for the Montreal Expo of 67. And, you know, yeah, it's like these movies that these days we watch, you know, they'll have like, you know, on PBS, they'll show like Flying Over England or something like that. But that style of movie was really designed to be, to show off the technology. So it was like designed to show off new cameras and the fact that you could attach a camera to the bottom of an airplane. And, you know, it was, it was designed to be experienced in a 
special setting, like a theme park or a fair. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. To go actually, yeah. actually, to go back to Simpsons ride, is that like, like, was that crazy for you to get to do? Like, because that room is meant for, yeah. it's a like, pretty insane format that can only yeah, it's be an Omnimax like screen. that. And right. the Omnimax screen is a curved IMAX screen, if, in, in case people don't know. So, like, it's why if you, you know, you know, these days when they'll show, like, you know, a normal movie like Dark Knight or whatever in an IMAX theater, they usually show it in a normal IMAX screen because it's flat, whereas an Omnimax screen is like the shape of like a contact lens. And so it, it kind of distorts a lot of the images, but gives you the feeling of like being sucked into the picture. But it's, that's the reason, for example, the Simpsons ride couldn't be 3D, which is a question we would get a lot. You can't do mm. a 3D Omnimax. Interesting. Just like yeah, which is why Soren is also Soren over California. Too- uh, um, right, oh, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that's not 3D. It's not oh, yeah, yeah, same, same format. Right, right. Is that also why it's, it's the characters are, it's, it's all done in 3D as opposed to 2D, where I imagine like doing the curvature doesn't make any sense? I don't know how that, that, that's an interesting question. I don't remember why that decision was made. I guess it was like if you blew up 2D animation that big, it wouldn't look, it wouldn't look immersive or something like that. It would, it would just, it'd be a lot of like big blocks of like Homer Simpson's big yellow head. Oh, sure. So, like, sort of oddly simple image. For... Like, it needs dimension, I guess. It just inherently needs dimension. Like, a 3D model needs... Like, if, it's, if something's 3D, it can't, it'll look, like, flat or something. This is an interesting tidbit that they... That the guys that were... That knew, knew what they were doing that helped us kind of come up with what happened in the ride is that in, a, in one of those where you want to simulate motion, it's always better to have something that you're flying behind. Mm-hmm. That you're not just like kind of in a vacuum looking out at a nice piece of scenery, but if you're actually tracking something that's in front of you, it's like if you go in, it's why in like the Avatar, uh, Flight of Passage, there's a, you're following another thing the whole Mm. time because it actually, your eye kind of like looks at the thing ahead of you and it draws your attention to the middle of the screen and kind of gives you, it helps sell the motion. So when you're like doing a, you don't want to just like an IMAX screen. If you want it to feel like you're actually moving, it helps to have like some kind of point, some kind of moving thing in the middle of it. And so we tried to do, you know, we had Maggie dragging you around, Sideshow Bob, and like all these these different Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. The 360, where you like you flip all the way around while Homer's is in your like being dragged by a rope or something. That's a really amazing part. That was, I believe, the first time that had ever been done in one of those simulator rides. It was one of the things they were like, oh, let's try to do a barrel roll. Um, oh wow the parody of like Waterworld stunt show thing mm-hmm. you actually okay. i thought it, it was pretty convincing yeah 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 yeah, them. yeah. Um, um, real, right, real, real quick while we're back were there any other bigger blue sky things you were like oh i wish we could have done this or like we had this on the drawing board and it didn't quite work it uh this is long enough now hopefully none of this is stuff that would get me in trouble but a big constraint we had was that we only had some of the cast initially mm-hmm. And so uh, that was why we ended up coming around on a Sideshow Bob story because mm-hmm. we didn't have like Harry Shearer who's going to, you know, who's most of the like the adversaries like Mr. Burns mm-hmm. which would like drive a theme parky type of story where you'd want like, you know, Mr. Burns is trying to kill you or whatever. We were kind of limited. Luckily we got Kelsey Grammer who's Sideshow Bob wanted to do it. So that was sort of the thinking behind that, which I think was great. I mean, it was, he's a mm-hmm. very kind of theme park energy and he's such yeah. a great voice actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, 
there, there's a short story by this uh, writer named Stephen Milhauser. He's one of my favorite writers. He, he wrote a short story called Paradise Park. Uh, in, I think the collection is called The Knife Thrower. Um, that is always been one of my favorite short stories. And it's about like a guy who creates a theme park that's like so messed up that the, it starts to be dangerous and starts to kill people. Mm-hmm. That, would, that was actually a thing that I brought and was like, let's try, to, let's try to do this. Let's have Sideshow Bob messes with the theme park so that it's broken. And you're going through these different things that are parodies of different things at Disneyland and Universal, but it's all falling apart around you. Um, mm-hmm. That was the initial idea. So like the fact that, I mean, really, which was just a vehicle for me, honestly, to do, to like create little parodies of like parodies. Park, park stuff. Yeah, and then there's this guy, Scott Trowbridge, mm-hmm. uh, sure. Disney Imagineer. He like, he did uh, Galaxy's Edge, in charge of that program. He was right, the, right. he was our like head guy at Universal at the time. Okay. He took that idea and kind of like helped us say, okay, here's what that could look like. There could be a thing that's kind of like parts of the Caribbean and we could do a big fall. And, you know, he helped us like beat it out into a real. Oh, and like what they can, like, here's the, like the, the gags. So here's the stuff we know we can pull off. Yeah, and it's well. like things that we could sell with motion. So it's like, it's mm-hmm. good to like, and you, cause you don't want it to be the same thing time and again. So like, you should do a thing where you're going backwards and you should do a thing where there's a big fall and a thing where we can spray water at you and stuff like that. But then I think, Grading or somebody was like, well, hey, you know, people are going to want to go to Springfield. Yeah. That's yeah. like getting, getting to sort of fly through Springfield, like the opening credits. Oh, would yeah. Be a yeah. big thing for people. So that ended up influencing us and became like the second half of the ride is like Maggie drags you through town and, you know, you do all this. I remember the first time going on it, feel it like I, it certainly didn't occur to me. Oh, I wish I was doing Springfield stuff. But when there's that reveal and you it suddenly feels like the opening sequence, you are like, oh, right, we could do this stuff. And you start to wonder, like, oh, will there be kind of a couch scene sort of thing? And then, yeah, that was cool. It was a real like, like, hey, do what people want thing. Like, you know, it was like yeah. a real fan service moment of like, oh, like, oh, yeah, have your fun with like parodies of like your own up your butt, like favorite moments from theme park history, but like make sure it's <laughs> they, yeah. they like to see the quickie mark. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad. They would like people that. people do want to see the things they like. I was gonna do uh, really slow. It was just a parody of each scene from World of Motion. Like it was mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the version we didn't get to make. But you know, okay, okay, fine. People <laughs> flying through Springfield. Okay. Fine. It's funny that you bring up like the 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 theme park trope of of like uh oh something has gone wrong because I feel like in in literature like I'm specifically thinking of like George Saunders stories about theme parks they're like the big one that I think of it's literally called Civil War Land in Bad Decline like they I I always wonder it's like wait was do you realize that like you the stories are always about theme parks falling apart or something going wrong it's like do you know this is like a main like plot point in a lot of theme park rides whether you're criticizing it intentionally or not right, we, know, we knew that or not yeah i mean I, I would say that like they actually adapted it into a great ride called uh grand fiesta tour in sad decline which you experience <laughs> right now um they they have not I, won I, I a really cool of them to just like low-key do that and not like announce it as like a big george saunders thing but that's pretty cool of them mm-hmm. yes you know what i don't doing. know that it would get them a macarthur genius grant like he received but. I think there's something there's like a postmodern turn that rides had in like the nineties. Like when people are like people are sick of like these rides are cheesy. Like it's just like a, no one wants to just like ride through 
you know, a bunch of little dolls singing at you or whatever. It's like, yes, A, that's all anyone wants. But, <laughs> but these guys, they got too clever and everything had to be like, you think it's this, but then it's this other thing. You know, it's a twit. It's like the ride breaks. And uh, I mean, this is what I'm just describing what we did on the zip ride. But right. like that, that was its own trend that burned out. And what I like about things like, you know, at the end of that era, you have something like Soaring Over California, which is like, there's no concept. It's just like, there's no, there's no, oh no, the, the, the glider is going to crash into Yosemite. Or whatever. It's just, it's just a thing. It's just a fun experience. It's like of a piece. Right. It's not reminding you that this is like, cause I, I think that rides work better when they're not big, complicated stories. Like there's, you can follow stuff, but like no one's like, oh man, I wish, or I don't think they are. Like I wish Pirates of the Caribbean was more like of a tracking characters and stuff. And when they do that, it's like lame. It's, you know, it's yeah. like a song. Like, you, you know, you, you don't want, you ever listen to like a story song? One of those like eight minute, like Johnny Cash things. You're like, ugh. I, I hear it once, it's fine. I, I know what happens. The guy like shoots the guy and gets hung or whatever. It's just like the songs you listen to a million times more vague. They're just like a general to give you a feeling. And I feel like right. that, that is, an, that's another thing about Impressions of France. It's, it's, it's not a story. It's just a feeling. Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking, we've talked about like, especially pre-shows and like Avatar on Flight of Passage is awesome, but the pre-show, there's like three rooms and there's just so much explanation of what you're doing and why you're standing there and what they're scanning you for and what you're going to, versus like Big Thunder where it's like, here we go, we're riding a train. <laughs> and then it's all, then once you get on the ride itself, it's unbelievable. You get a yeah. flight of passage, but there's no story at all. You're just flying around. It's great. Right. You sort of didn't need to know any of that. Not I'm not sure it. any of that. I think it's like they just want to give you something to do because the line is long. And so they yes. have like, they make you, you know, sit in three rooms. I mean, we did this. There's, there's two full pre-shows on the Simpsons track for the same reason. It's like right to divide you into little groups so that you, you know, you can go into a place and like, you don't have to sort that all out at the last. It's, it's all like crowd management. Yeah. But like, I wish they would just put up a blank screen and you just look at your phone or something. It would be better. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, dinosaur. Oh, you got two movies about this, and you go and you're going to look at dinosaurs. Yeah, <laughs> but The Simpsons feels like. I mean, The Simpsons has that uh, the ride. You guys have that narrative a little of like you know Bob and everything, but also it's just like the pre-show room is you get to see Patty and Selma in a booth goofing. Like everyone's goofing around versus you're getting information shouted at you that's like important. Danny Chun, longtime Simpsons writer at Office, bunch of her stuff. He 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 was sort of in charge of that part of the writing mm -hmm. and it was, yeah, it was, it was fun to do that. It was like picking the characters. It, it, it did give us, I will say like the script for the whole ride ended up being about 35 pages long, maybe the ride script. And we just, mm -hmm. you know, just, like, just write a final draft, like a normal script, but the ride itself is maybe seven pages long, but then, you know, there's like 20, there's two full long, there's, um, there's more than a full Simpsons episode worth of writing and animation in the pre-show to, mm -hmm. oh, right. to that ride because... The several rooms and all the characters. Yeah, but that one is also, is, it was like, we were kind of stuck with the infrastructure of Back to the Future. So it was like, you, you couldn't just like change the structure of the rooms and stuff. You knew like, okay, we need something that's exactly the same length as this thing, and then you have to go into this room and... Oh yeah, did you have to watch like this this Doc and Biff thing and go okay? So it's got to be sort of equivalent to to this at least time and maybe feel I think like the timing was more important. Like because because whatever the timing of the ride was, that's the key thing. It was like four minutes or something. Yeah, mm -hmm. you have to each of the things before that has to be exactly that length so that everything can turn over at the same time. 
right. I'm sure I'm sure that like flight of passage is the same way, but like whatever the length of time is it takes to get all the people in and like, you know, sit in the things and stick their head in the hole. Uh, You've got to cover that. With... The length of the ride has to be the exact length of the pre-show. Or mm-hmm. whatever, sure. whatever. Just maybe why Avatar is so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, hopefully they're they're hosing down those little glory holes you stick your head in or whatever. Oh, yeah. Right now. <laughs> give, them, yes. give them 10 seconds to do something. Yeah. Can you believe people are doing that right now? Like, there's people on that ride as we're all holed up oh. in our places forever. Well, and you'll be happy to know they've recently increased capacity. So, uh. you know. <laughs> How weird is it right now to go into one of those rooms where they're scanning you for viruses or germs? <laughs> How- we can find, you oh, all no, have found, it. You all have it. Shake off. Shake, move your body around. Yeah, move bit. your body around. Some of you are asymptomatic. Now we can't tell which of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's odd. That's odd. I'll say you can go do that right now if right you want. Right now, uh, but impressions to France, you can spread out a little. You know, it's a theater, the Palais du Cinema. It's is, probably is, not full. I, I, I'm a big. Remember movie theaters? You go. Mm. Remember that. Yes. yes. Kind of. <laughs> For the audience doesn't remember that. These would be a thing pre-COVID. You go to a movie theater and watch things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Impressions of France, because it doesn't have a lot of dialogue, is, it, it has that phenomenon you get in movie theaters when you're there during the day and there's a lot of old people. They want to talk through the whole thing. So I would say that like, <laughs> it, even in particular, there's something about sitting down, you're watching the nice scenery, Maybe there's an old lady that speaks a few words of French. She wants to use them. She wants to impress the other old people that she's with in the movie. It, it was one of the most talked through film experiences you can have to the point where I'm a big guy. I'm a big, drives my wife crazy. I'll just get up. I'll move. Like, I'm not a shusher. I just very showily get up, walk down, move a couple rows back. Maybe I'll make a big, uh, or whatever. I do that. Yeah. I know it's. Okay, I'll do it multiple times in the same in in the Impressions of France theater. It's nice as it's a big, not usually that packed. Bad news for the movie, probably going away someday. But I will move around multiple times to get away from the like. Oh, that's Paris. That's <laughs> yeah. That's Notre Dame. <laughs> but, you know, it's like everyone wants to show off that they went to Paris one time or whatever. Mm-hmm. God bless. I get it, but it's a well, that, yeah. That kind of goes. I mean, really, I think we've mostly talked about it on the Haunted Mansion episode. People that want to talk, that's a different thing, talking along with it. But I think in general, all three of us are no talking. Don't talk. Please don't. Um, And I think that's controversial. And I remember us saying that. And I think some people were like, but I like to talk. I like to do it. (laughs) Like three minutes. I don't want to, you know, yuck anyone's yum here. Like, you want to talk great. I'm just, as long as the theater is big enough that I can move. Sure. Then yeah, and I don't think people were talking about like, oh, I want to talk along to Impressions de France. I think that's probably sm- a smaller amount of people. That oh, another thing. Mention. I don't know that anybody's ever, I, the other, I was watching again to see if anything jumped out at me. Has anybody ever noticed that I'm pretty sure that they had to like paint out a lady's boobs in a, in a scene? Huh. There's a scene Go where on. you're on a dock going, it's on like the French Riviera. And there's a bunch of sunbathers. You can't really see it on the YouTube, but it always jumped out at me in the theater. There's a woman in the kind of, I would say, like, facing the screen, upper left hand, laid out on a thing, wearing a blue bathing suit that is clearly painted in later. Like, oh. she was clearly just a woman. Top, it's France, right? I mean, that's part mm-hmm. of the French experience. Topless lady, 
young woman, just a blue black, like, like, like an old, you know, an old computer graphics thing where you just like draw a little <laughs> outline of something and fill it in with a blue paint can <laughs> to cover up this nice young lady's. Hmm. Does it wobble when it moves? Does it like not follow exactly right? I, I, I tried to see it today on the, the 4K, whatever YouTube uh, video someone took. And you can't, you, I know where it is, so I know where to look for it, but it doesn't, it won't jump out at you. If you see it in the theater, have a have listener, someone go rush to the theater, be safe. <laughs> the woman, you will see this blue, like a bright blue block where nudity was supposed to be wow huh i mean i'm glad they got was there that day the woman on the beach listening let us know (laughs) oh yeah we'll have her on if you're hearing this uh i'm glad they got that because topless sunbathing i feel like is a national pastime uh for france just like uh smoking cigarettes and having toured affairs uh, and those they can't really put into this movie. Like, there's a wedding in this movie. I guess because there's a the big uh, Abbey uh, in this movie. The Abbey that's hard to access. I, in the back of my mind, I think I used that wedding reception in in the France movie as like an image I wanted during my actual wedding. Like, <laughs> I, I remember I remember asking for the lighting. And I wanted the lighting to look exactly like that, where it's outside, there's string lights over it, everybody's having a nice time. It felt, yeah, it's very, like, cinema, and very, like... But, like, obviously, I'm a big fan of this I will say one thing, I don't think I've ever... I don't think it, this is, like, on the Wikipedia page or anything for this Simpsons episode. I used... I pulled a music cue from Impressions to France and used it in a Simpsons episode. Mm. Um, it's, it's in the episode, uh, a totally fun thing Bart will never do again which is the episode where the Simpsons go on a cruise. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, what is, let me see, like, let me look up. The song is called Rondo by Francois-Adrien Waldieu. Mm-hmm. I probably the most obscure song in Impression of France. <laughs> I always liked it. There's a scene where they're going on a cruise and we had this really dramatic shot flying over cruise ship to show how cool it is. And I was like, oh, this is like that scene where they're flying over the castle in Impressions to France. So I was like, I want that exact song. And oh. so this, this was great. It's another like real, like, I can't believe this is happening moment. Because The Simpsons at that time was scored by a live orchestra. Mm-hmm. They had to actually find the music, get the orchestra, and it's a really hard song, too. <laughs> so wow. like, it's, a, it's like real, a really like challenging piece of classical music. And so they had to learn it. And then later in the episode, the cruise ship, it goes bad. Uh, like they're stuck on it for a really long time. Mm. And so they do another flyover where it looks to compare it to earlier. And the composer redid that song from the France movie is like a janky, like messed up version to show wow. crappy instruments. Whoa. Check it out. Jeez. So that's amazing. And also, did you just manage to break a piece of trivia that is not archived by Simpsons fans online? I don't think so. I don't, th- wow. I, yeah, I don't think anybody. That might be the only piece of info that people don't know like that. Did you get to go watch the orchestra do it? I didn't see that one. I had been there other times. It was mm-hmm. cool. They would, they would just like, they didn't like do it right next to where we were writing. So we didn't. Right. I think at one time I went to go see it. Since then, they've stopped doing it because it was unbelievable. The only shows ever that would do this were Lost in the Simpsons. And it's just like you picture in a movie, like a giant soundstage with the whole orchestra and like guy right. and everything. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I guess over 30 years of Simpsons, they got enough music cues now that they don't 
You don't need a bunch of new ones. That's fair. Are there any other little uh, theme park tidbits you've snuck in in other places that people wouldn't know? In that same episode, that was, that was the last episode I wrote for The Simpsons. It was, it was sort of my place to try to pack in all the things that I liked. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really worked. I did try to put, there's a thing where they're stuck. This is, once again, they're stuck on a cruise ship for a long time. They think, they think the world has been destroyed by a viral outbreak. So mm-hmm. very Uh-oh. prescient. Not so prescient that I thought a cruise ship would be the safest place to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Was, where the episode the goes, but, but <laughs> in the episode, they, Lisa decides, like, like medieval monks, re, like, preserve culture for the posterity now that the world is gone. And so there is a part where you pan across a bunch of monks, and I, I showed them the monks in Spaceship Earth, and I said, I want it to look like this. I want one of the monks to be asleep on the book. I want it to look exactly like Spaceship Earth. And they were just like, eh. <laughs> of time for all <laughs> it is her point i think they're right it is her point they were like hey man enough enough with this like, satisfying <laughs> fetishes essentially yeah that is their orchestra to play a song from impressions de france <laughs> sure. God, that's amazing this is making me think about though there was this we're there's a certain time frame of simpsons episodes where there's some California Adventure digs in there. Was that you? Oh. No, no, that was Al Jean. Okay. He's like, he, he really, <laughs> I think it comes from a place of love. Like, he had a really in for any time. Like, he, you know, he was the, back in the day, there were a lot of Euro Disney. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, sure, but, like, sure. he, Al really, I think he, he held the Eisner era to a very high standard and was disappointed when it fell short, I guess is the one way to put it. Because mm-hmm. he loved he loves Disneyland, but just like the other lesser imitations of Disney parks, yeah, is enough for. Wow, interesting. Yeah, not um, wrong. I know what he's saying. Um, real quick, uh, I'll say I did search and see how many listeners we may have from France. Oh, yes, you can do that on our analytics. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is, mm-hmm. I think, just in the last month. And this is like amount of listens. I think we might have forty-three listeners. Wow, <laughs> that's not or, bad. Yeah, that's or maybe good. one of them is going to be a guy from this bit who's in the movie, like the guy with the grapes on his head, or like some somebody, the topless woman, the topless woman, maybe the woman, grapes on his head, the groom. So many. Yeah, there's a lot of people, a lot of possibilities. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you were in it and you're alive still, tell us your story. Right. If you are a listener from France, do you think the French Pavilion should is should be the one place in park in Walt Disney World where you could still smoke cigarettes, like in the pastry <laughs> shop, in the movie theater? I mean, I'm just saying, like limited time magic, maybe you know, <laughs> nude sunbathing. Like they have a more French experience when you're there. Sure. <laughs> you, you do it in the courtyard. You, you drop the kids around the corner at Ratatouille. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic for Ratatouille because I think when they, when they do insert character or when they do put more intellectual properties into the parks, I think usually when they start from scratch, it's more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like they've done a good job at matching the architecture of the French pavilion. Yeah, like, I'm just thrilled that they, they, left, they left the movie in place. Yes. That's what I was worried about. Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah. I d- looked it up on the app. Uh, your current option to see the movie, you have a small window from 6.30 to 7.45. Uh, so it? I guess that's what? three showings, four maybe, if they squeeze. But... Two, because they have... Yeah. Oh, this is it, guys. This is the last day. Like, we, uh, we got to get people in there to, to 
good turn style or something. This is not looking good. But Wonder they just way. upconverted it to 4K. So, I mean, that's You'll the nice thing about shooting on film. It's easier to, to you know, upconvert. I, I see which, which way the wind is blowing here. I mean, maybe it's the kind of thing where they do a special, like, the way they bring back the California movie. Right. You know, in the theater where it's usually soaring around the world. Yeah. You know, it could be that kind of thing. Like, I always think that they, need, they have all these movies. Right. That they, they've banked over the years that they could bring back and people would like them. Maybe, eh, maybe no one cares. It's unclear well, as to what you do with them. Your magic there's, you know, Magic Journey. Such. There's all these, like, right. like, old, weird... It would be nice. Yeah, just like, I mean, in this spot, I mean, it seems like easy enough to just put a different movie in. So, yeah, it would be nice and different, like, a theater like this to show. I mean, not this France one, but, like, in a place in the parks to be able to show old stuff once in a while. I mean, it's like they have retro nights at Disneyland and... Um, and they, they easily, pretty easily brought back Captain EO back, and you know they can, they can. Sure. Yeah. So they can convert, you know, the the new French Mandalorian goes to France short into this later at night for thirty minutes once in a while. <laughs> yeah, because they should bring back. Like, I don't know if the audience is familiar with this. There's some really weird theme park movies they used to make. Like, if you ever watched Magic Journeys, it is one of the weirdest. And this was in a theme park. It is one of the weirdest. Like. Fever dream, like acid trip, bizarre, spooky sort of things. Dark you can find it on scary. YouTube. It was a 3D movie. It was at Imagination. It was all over the place. I remember as a kid being like, even as a kid, I was like, I don't want to be an adult anymore. This is what is what is this? <laughs> um, there was like a movie called Symbiosis that they showed at um, that was in the land. The land, yeah. Mm-hmm. What was it? What happened in Symbiosis? It, it was the thing that preceded the like Timon and Pumbaa movie. Yeah. Yeah, where the, where the carpeted wall is, kind of. Um, anyway, it was a really scary movie about like pollution and you know the environment being destroyed. And so, like, there's all these movies that you know. There's at least a couple weirdos out there that would. Yeah, I need to see them. Throw them up in like the Odyssey or something. I don't know. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. That seems good. If unless they're going to demolish it, but yeah, if that would be a great spot for. Well, it. you got I'm the, through the journey magic. theater also, which you. What if they just like oh, said yeah. by day, like like at ten thirty, we're showing magic journeys. At twelve, we're showing symbiosis. You just like shuffled all the. If they're going to bring back retro Epcot, just make that the retro Epcot theater. I would be there in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, and they did it in California Adventure. They stuck Seasons of the Vine into the Blue Sky Cellar for a little while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they, if I remember correctly, they had Seasons of the Vine featuring our friend Jeremy Irons. A, d- a dark look at a year in California winemaking. Uh, it was it was in the the Body Wars building um, during right. the, the Food and Wine Festival. They would say they, they use they do they bring these things back sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's some venue repurposing. What were you saying, Mike? Oh, I was just saying I had just I just quickly Googled also uh, Magic Journeys and I you're like it is bringing back I do remember this and it's like this evil there's like an evil circus in it. <laughs> it will blow it is so weird. Yeah. It is maybe the weirdest thing that's ever been an attraction at a Disney theme park. You can watch the whole the whole thing's on YouTube. It it's disturbing. Ep- Epcot is so tra- I mean we've talked about this in our Epcots. It's so traumatizing for kids. And it's so odd, and it's so it's like they were trying to do so much different uh, that they just got yeah. I think I was thinking about like what you know why why do I still years later still care about that? it? But you know, as a kid, I was a kid in Ohio. It you forget that Epcot is fancy. It's like <laughs> it's the fancy theme park for fancy boys and fancy girls. Like you go, 
<laughs> I was a fancy little boy. I wanted to go and you learn about France and you see all these different countries and like, it really affected me. Like it's, it's a, the futuristic part definitely affected me my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still like, I'm like, my dream house is like the, the house in horizon, like the, the city apartment that the grandparents live in. I'm like, that's what yeah, I, you know, amen, show a real yeah. estate. This is what I want. Like <laughs> it affects you when you're a kid and these things stick with you. And like, and I think that like the world showcase part of it, it's like all these kids all over the country, you know, making fun of like, Oh, Epcot's so lame and whatever. But like it, I think a certain percentage of kids go there and it messes with their brain. And they're like, I want to go to all these countries. I want, th- I want this kind of, fancy experience as an adult yeah i think you have to be like because i liked epcot a lot as a kid i like i probably was not that into world showcase i was probably like i needed some stimuli yeah same a movie yeah like a movie wasn't gonna of pleasantness is like oh okay yeah yeah but i can where's the robot where show me the robot um but it definitely it definitely feels like a a field trip some of it feels like a field trip and that's a good thing as you get older, because you just want a nice, pleasant experience. And it is, hey, it is fun to learn, actually. I like to learn here and there. If I remember it, that's a different story. But it is, I'm sure it's a specific type of kid that goes to Epcot and all of it. I would argue, you know, having been to some of the countries that the Epcot pavilions are based on, that some of the experiences are very, very similar to really being, like, if you go to that gift shop in the Japan pavilion, mm-hmm. that is very much like being in actual Japan. Like that, it's like there's plenty of stores that are, that have that feel. Like it is if you're just from a normal town in America, it's it's a pretty good simulation of being in some of these places. And at the very least, like it'll give you a little bug where you're like, eh, okay, when I grow up, I'm sure, yeah, I want to go to. Mm-hmm. Have yeah. you also yeah. then been annoyed by like? <laughs> there's like the the feeling of like. Well, World Showcase, it's just plastic Europe. Like, why, yeah. you know, avoid the, you, like, go to the real thing. Why would you not? And I, I feel like people know what World Showcase is. Yeah, it's like, it's like watching Showcase a movie and being like, that's a set. That's not, it's like, yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it is. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not trying to, like, get you to not travel yeah, the world. Fool, if anything, they want you to like, travel the world after you. They don't do think World you're Showcase. a caveman that thinks you've gone through a time portal <laughs> to France. Like, yeah, it's the same. Also, like, yeah, go to Europe. If that's a, very theme park experience too the real one it's like you know yeah it also discounts that like there's there's also like dumb stuff to do in europe and japan and stuff like it's oh, as if it's yeah. all a cultural enriching experience like that's why i go to the places for the dumb stuff mixed with yeah. some enriching stuff right <laughs> this is reminding me all this talk about like the mood you know uh, uh, impressions to france is so ethereal it it really does remind me a lot of like early like in film school, they would show us like not not exactly Kundun, but like stuff like that, where it's like this is a movie made of just visuals and and music, visuals and audio, and you can tell a story with visuals and audio. And I'm now realizing, like, I was like, okay, yeah, got it, sounds good. This feels very familiar to me, and I'm wondering if that's because I watched all these Epcot movies so many times, <laughs> as opposed to like some classmates who are like, I can't wrap my head around this yeah, like the history of travelogue movies i mean like you know there's all this there was a great one i saw recently that i i'm sure there's some sort of like connection to like some of the people who worked on one of the epcot movies it was the first imax movie which was in the if you if you look at pictures of the the big buckminster fuller sphere at the montreal expo in 1967 it's still up is an imax theater it was built for that world's fair 
the first IMAX theater ever made, I think. And this, this movie, it's called, what's it called? North of Superior. It's just like a tour of Canada, like forests and stuff. Anyway, you can, they, it's on YouTube. They posted like a Toronto Film Festival did a retrospective of the director or something. And it's all there. It's a, it's, it is so the DNA of this sort of grand spectacle, you know, soaring music and flying around. And that I think goes, probably goes back to like travelogue movies from the early days of movies when it was just like a way to get to see a place that you'd never been before. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the earliest uses of movies was to just, you know, show you stuff you couldn't see otherwise. Take you to a place. Yeah. Which you sort of take for granted. With, with stuff like this, with these early Epcot movies, like how that, yeah, it, like it, travel wasn't as easy and technology wasn't as advanced. And now that cameras can be very small and get to obscure places like to do the work and to take a 500 pound rig up into the sky or into a balloon or into the Eiffel Tower. Like, yeah, there's an appeal to this. I think that feels very National Geographic or like, like that, that, you know, it's it's still cool to watch now, but you have to think about how in 82 it was like really remarkable and truly taking people to places they, they maybe couldn't go. Well, it yeah. does follow like the Disney nature or Disney's like travelogue. I feel like Disney doesn't, it's like almost as an afterthought, they dump this like archive stuff on Disney Plus. We're like, yeah, we have National Geographic too. We bought that. But it's like, <laughs> well, that's kind of was one of your core things for a long time. And I think mm-hmm. I think that they won like Oscars and stuff for the short movies. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, the Earth Day um the short ones and then the Earth Day uh ones that they put out every year. Yeah, but like are... back in the fifties and late forties, oh, like, yes. they innovated all this like camera technology. They, I think Seal Island or like some some old Disney movie won an Oscar. There's a really messed up one. I don't I think it's on Disney Plus. Some someone posted there it's it's called Perry. It's a narrative live action about the life of a squirrel in the forest. It's pretty good, but there's a thing that is one of the trippiest, weirdest things where the squirrel has a dream. And they <laughs> actually shoot in live action the squirrel going through like a fantasy sequence of like crazy dream stuff but with a real squirrel um check it out it's crazy but it's like the ways that they combine like near they still found like weird disney-ish ways to zazz up like a documentary that's just like animals walking around they they this is by far the weirdest wow wow i think is the name of it check it's wow and it's on disney plus i think it's on disney but you can I, i saw it in like turner classic one time they did when they used to do those like obscure Disney thing nights, mm-hmm. just sitting there with no indication that it's bizarre and has a squirrel. Yeah, I mean, you don't watch the whole thing. You sit through a lot of just like a squirrel eating a nut and all that stuff. Which, yeah, God bless that you thing. But there's a dream sequence about two thirds of the way through. Huh? Oh it was like a, the Wanda Vision of its day, with a trippy. <laughs> <laughs> can I um? Can I point out something? So though though we've we've been talking about how this thing is very like impressionistic and it's you know mainly uh, music and visuals. Um, there is sparing narration. Let's not forget about that. Mm-hmm. You do have yes. the my Franz wakes up at the, uh, which the- which is a little hard to decipher in the YouTube clips. Some of the narration, the accent's a little thick, and you know the. An iPhone or a GoPro is, is not the best way to capture. Sort of yeah. impossible by the time it's, yeah. it's translated. Several mediums, yeah. Um, 
Here's something that I was wondering. Uh, um, me not being a terribly cultured person, I was thinking, like, well, is this... Th- whoever's narrating this is probably, like, one of the great French actors, right? And I'm a fool for not knowing who it is. And then I looked up the name Claude Gobet, and I'm like, well, of course, Claude... He's probably... I'm going to look at this IMDb, and there's going to be a hundred entries, and this is going to go and go and go, and how do, could I not know the great Gobet? Uh, it turns out that this is one of only two credits... For this actor, and the other credit uh, is a film from 1977. The film is called Chatterbox. Uh, this is a film uh, uh, mainly starring Rip Taylor, and it is a movie. Chatterbox refers to uh, the, there's a woman uh, who, after an unsatisfying sexual encounter, her vagina comes to life and uh, reviews the performance of the man and you follow the uh you know the really the rise in fame of her vagina virginia the talking vagina wow Um, i was not familiar with chatterbox before we saw that and we're like we've got the guy (laughs) disney the only one we have all the great french actors lined up but only the That's guy France, who plays <laughs> only the guy who plays the Mater D with two lines in Shatterbox, <laughs> the Talking Vagina movie. Can yeah. Rip Taylor had a conflict, so <laughs> they could not get him. I guess so. I and it really is just like the woman comes in. Can I have a tale over two? Yes. Wait a minute. Are you the owner of Virginia, the Talking Vagina? <laughs> <laughs> it's truly that's all it is. Wow. Um, so Claude Gobet, one of the stranger uh, filmographies, Club Claude Gobet. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, check out so check out several Perry and Chatterbox. Chatterbox, which Perry? is uh, on Amazon Prime, actually, as is a lot of uh, bizarre old junk. So what check is out a, Chatterbox. what a double feature? Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plan a little night for yourself. Was that the I, only time that talking vagina character appeared, or did they spin the <laughs> vagina off at all, or? Into other, in, into yeah. uh, Virginia Vision or some yeah, such v- thing. Vagina Vision. <laughs> <laughs> up in Magic Journeys in the circus scene. Okay. There's <laughs> <laughs> a brief caveat with Magic Journeys. Um, I do want to uh, mention some of the soundtrack stuff. Um, mm. And I, mm-hmm. okay, there is, uh, you met, uh, Matt, you mentioned the, the kind of obscure uh, song in the soundtrack. Um there is a song that recurs in the soundtrack, and I looked up the name because I never knew the name of this song, and it is called Aquarium from the uh, suite The Carnival of Animals by, I'm going to try, Camille Saint-Saëns, um, and I, so. I just know it as the spooky wonder music. Like It doesn't play after the Amblin logo, but it plays after people's movies who have been called like the next Spielberg. Like, Every kid's movie of like, we're, yeah, we well, use yeah, it in the beats. all the time. Yeah, it's it's a very common. You hear it all. It's very spooky. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's great in this. I mean, but uh, I just couldn't. I was like, oh my god, that song. I I immediately just had a react. Every kind of like the Indian in the cupboard kind of children's movie. I feel mm-hmm. like at some point uses that song. Yeah, there's there's another one. It's, uh, once again, I don't speak French. Sorry, guys. Gymnopédie by Eric Satie is in there. That's in a ton of movies. Like, the version that's in Impressions of France is, like, I think orchestrated, where it's a piano song, but it's in, like, Royal Tenenbaums, and it's in so many different things. Mm -hmm. The songs at the end of this movie uh, 
I remember hearing somewhere and being like, oh, where's that from? And then I put it together. It's the song. It's, it's the, it's called like the organ symphony or something in the, the original version, but it, the, the melody of it is the theme from Babe. Oh. 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 So it's like over the end of Impressions of France, there's this like organ song. It's like really builds to a big climax and they show all these different cool shots of the Eiffel Tower and all this stuff. That, a, like a low key version of that song is that I'm pretty sure the theme from Babe. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Or used a lot. Or maybe the Babe Ping in the City. One of the Babe. Right, right. The uh, the um, uh, the Saint Saint. If I'm saying it's sort of right, uh, I didn't I didn't realize till I looked it up. I, I never put this together that it's the it's a, a version of that is the melody from the the Space Mountain Dick Dale version. That's what he's that's what he's oh, playing. Wow. Right. Another great piece of theme park music. Yeah, yeah, it's like this, it's certainly like rearranged enough. You'd never put that together, but yeah, it's like the it's a carnival vibe, I guess. So uh, they mm-hmm. used it for that. the The soundtrack notable too for the way uh, Buddy Baker arranged it. He he did a lot of a number of Disney projects, some of the mm-hmm. animated movies. Um, it's the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra playing these arrangements at Abbey Road Studios. Mm-hmm. and it was uh the this there's a few um titles or honorary things that uh impressions to france holds this is the first movie let me get this right this is the first movie with a digital soundtrack recorded from beginning to end on a digital record like there were only two sony digital recorders in the world and they oh. got the one from Los Angeles to Abbey Road Studios to record this. Whoa. Okay. Oh, wow. Which I guess um, was just part of the like technology boom that was going on because they wanted to show off so much technology like in all of these movies at Epcot. So yeah. um, there was a lot at their disposal. That's pretty crazy. The, hmm. other, the other title it holds from the Guinness World Records uh, uh, people, um, this is the... Again, very specific. This is the longest running daily screening of a film in the same theater. Mm. Oh, wow! So, I guess what else huh. would it be? How long? That makes I mean, sense. It, I mean, is anything ever going to beat it? At thirty-five years, I believe. Like eighty, they're counting eighty-two to twenty-seventeen. I think when it shut down. Uh, sing along with Bell. Well, <laughs> you know in the 2080s or something like that <laughs> it's there to stay but let's wait let's talk about that because the yeah so they've started all right during the day mostly you go and it is this beauty and the beast sing-along thing has anybody uh, done it for any reason or, no. or learned what it is at all? i've not done it i haven't i have not since they allowed it in um <laughs> yeah since it invaded <laughs> they, uh, it invaded france they let the wolf in the head it's all about each story it's like the newcomer comes and you know bad you know slowly slowly takes away the spotlight until <laughs> until impressions yeah. of france wash you know walks into the ocean and drowns to death <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's it's an odd i i looked it up and it's like so they did get new voiceover from angela lansbury who kind of steps you through the story quickly but it's this bizarre reimagining of the story where lefou 
Gaston's friend was the secret, like, guardian angel behind everything and was, like, helping bring Beauty and the Beast together. Like, oh, wow. get, like he, like, helps in the kitchen during Be Our Guest, and he... I see maybe like sews or at least like gets the dress ready, the famous yellow dress. Like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of thing. <laughs> oh, I guess so. Yeah. You didn't see like the, the true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah apparently. Uh, um, which is interesting, but also not by, but LeFou is evil, right? I mean, I guess maybe that's, it's made, it's made to make you question your feelings on LeFou. Does LeFou make, does he yeah. make them fall in love? Like, does he send like, yeah, he letter, romantic letters to each of them from his own like perspective to try to get them to get like? He might just like he kind of like nudges them. Maybe he might like whisper in their ears in a Cyrano <laughs> fashion. I'm not sure. I the video I watched was very confusing. It just it like only shows you the LeFou parts. It's a LeFou supercut, so mm. I really couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on most of the time. It sounds so, bad. <laughs> kind of sounds bad. And and thankfully the video cut out anytime anyone started singing because the little bits that I heard of like. A bunch of like several tired parents singing. There's something sweet. Um, I didn't really want to see that. Yeah, kind of uncool that they didn't bring like, Paul Goubet for another credit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah know. absolutely. He's the spirit of that theater, <laughs> and we know his verse. Like, kind of like Wonder Woman '84, where they bring you know, just as a courtesy, yes. they bring him back for one. Right. One line. Yeah, Post yeah, credits. Yeah. Post credits, Goubet. He's the he's a Mater D now at the Beast Castle and has been ever since his encounter with Virginia <laughs> the Talking Vagina. <laughs> I did not know they made an original I just assumed it would be the set pieces of the movie with little animated transitions or little cards in between, like mm -hmm. um but it's That's a little more than interesting, that. Interesting, but Does yeah, that a help? little more than that. But um it, it seems to le lean towards our more like, well that's complicated that's <laughs> like, like oh yago oh yago actually is the hero of aladdin didn't you know yago <laughs> helped yeah it's like i thought that story went a little too neatly there was somebody behind the scenes I, yeah and then that was obviously the villain's sidekick he's the one who helped <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's turtle talk tidy. with crush reveals that crush both um disappeared nemo and helped him come back so he was playing <laughs> he both sides yeah wow. like yojimbo like fistful of dollars he was playing <laughs> both sides makes sense well yeah, i like now. i like reinventing the stories to bring him into the parks but like yeah what what do we do i mean matt you were kind of alluding to is this our is this episode the best chance at the moment to try to encourage people uh, currently defying the pandemic and in Disney World to go uh, sit in this movie theater. I guess I don't know. Should we not tell people to go to a movie theater right now? Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, they may when it is safe. Mm -hmm. Give it. You know, like I said, you got to have a you got to have kind of a philosophical attitude. These things, you know, it's in the spirit. Like I said, a World's Fair stuff. It comes and it goes, and you have to accept it. I don't want it right. to go. I want it to. I I do like. It is cool that uh, for whatever reason. All these other things have changed, but this little movie that is just in the forgotten corner of Epcot has lasted this whole time and is shown every day. And it would be nice. It would be nice if it lasted as long as the park lasted. One little piece. It doesn't hurt anybody. Show it one time a day. And, it, you know, come on. Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Imagineer Joe Rohde was saying he thinks of these things like Broadway shows. They don't have, they don't go forever. So it had a great run if it is going away, but why not? It is nice these days, you know, you can, your, your favorite 
the movies like this, you can watch them on YouTube. They do, they're nice. They don't pull them down. Mm-hmm. There's great, you know, the resolution is really good. It's not the same thing, but I mean, like, it's nice that you're able, like now, before talking about this, I could watch the whole thing and, you know, mm-hmm. get a sense of it. So yeah, sure. I discovered on Spotify, the entire soundtrack Impressions of France is one track is available from one of the official Disney albums, the whole like 18, 19 minutes long of the whole thing. Music's great. I'm sure it'd be great to like do work to or something. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That, huh. Yeah. So it's like, you know, hey. It exists. It can live on. It can live. Um, what if they, to keep it, they just like insert LeFou into many of the shots? Right. He, he explains like he, he got the couple to get married. Yeah. He, he stole the woman's top. That's right. He releases the balloon. Yeah, he stole the woman's top. That's great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, maybe there's something a compromise also that can be reached. People like like backstory. If that's really yes. what what people want is more machinations and backstory. Right. That's like the wave of the future. We can do that. We can yeah. retrofit it. We, we can add that to you know space of birth. Like oh, you know here here's Judy Dench teaching the Phoenicians how to like write or whatever. It's yeah, yeah. things more complicated. Can, we can do that if it right. preserves some of these great attractions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's complicate them all. But maybe, maybe several pre-shows also. Maybe like as many. Let's build a bunch of tiny pre-show rooms. So mm-hmm. too. One uh, additional thing when we're talking about the great, the great world showcase films. Mm-hmm. Did you guys happen when you were talking about um, uh, Olaf? Uh, replacement. Talk about the old, the old Norway film called Spirit of Norway. Mm. check it out that might be my favorite that have been gone for a long time now it was like the post show yeah. right Maelstrom, that even they they were like people just like walked right through they really wanted <laughs> to see this it is great it is like <laughs> I, to me it is like the pinnacle of the art form mm-hmm. and worth checking out yeah just, we haven't done Maelstrom yet so I, I assume it'll be part of that but I could easily see it being its own episode don't forget don't be like uh, every person who ever wrote Maelstrom and just walk right by Mm-hmm. it's worth like five seconds every time it's it's right yeah my very bookish family would always sit and watch it and i was always mad when people walked by like hey hey can I have a little respect <laughs> i didn't think you were allowed like as a kid i'm like no doors closed can't cool like can't aqua, gr- aqua blue chairs it was like a great little theater they had it was great yeah. i do like yeah. that room a lot yeah the well we Norwegians should do a- are a proud people as the movie told me <laughs> the proud people of norway would like just a few minutes of your time to tell you about their uh, fascinating all, culture. It's not a lot. The, we should do yeah. a Maelstrom episode and then like bring it to a climax and finish and then, oh wait, the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you the forgot. Movie. Here's another hour about this movie. Mm-hmm. About so a don't couple, go. Don't stop a couple of businessmen signing a paper. <laughs> a man falling asleep. There's literally a long scene of a man falling asleep in a chair. <laughs> Don't they show like sort of like massive IBM type, like like really old computer technology? That's one of my memories of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you could fall asleep in a chair. They were just showing you what you could do. Like you can fall asleep if you're gonna sit and watch. That's okay. Harder to fall asleep in Impressions de France because while the narration is a little hard to read on YouTube, um, the volume of it is very clear. Like they play that music loud. <laughs> They're always talking about. They're always looking for IP these days, right? Again, can't sell mm-hmm. anything IP. I'm yeah. I'm going to shop to Disney World Showcase Expanded Universe with just the movies, the characters from the movies, the old no. movie, Impressions of France. You just you shoot a little runner at the end, to be like where Paul Gabay goes and he recruits the all stars, and then they meet mm-hmm. in like the American Adventure at the end or something. Mm-hmm. 
they meet uh, 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 Neil deGrasse Tyson and <laughs> right, right. No, that's it. That's they're the bad guys. Oh, good. That's better. Oh, oh go, we have to go clear American. American adventure of all the pedophiles that live there <laughs> and all the sex criminals. Not Neil deGrasse Tyson. No, no, that's a different. That's a different thing. All the, that's a different, all the different sus, thing. all the but sus people, guys, all the people yeah. who have scandals behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have mm-hmm. to be ridded from like ghost busted out of the American adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they There's need, probably problems in the statue. I don't know, you know, from from the, the animatronics that are still there, they they got to do like a Me Too swipe of all the backstories of all those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is good. A lot of potential, I think. Yeah, just good, honest people rounding up people who got corrupted by fame and uh, uh, living too much of an American adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too much. <laughs> they just <laughs> they adventured a little too hard. I honestly, those things are an important part of the American story as well. You know, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, hubris, <laughs> you know, dr- drug problems, like all that stuff. It's all of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. getting drunk uh, with power. It it is unfortunate they did insert the head of the Robin Hood app into the end of that movie. <laughs> it seems like that was misguided. <laughs> all the things they, every time they keep stepping in it, like yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, um, well, uh, final uh, uh, any any last impressions de France to uh, to to have on record to encourage people to check this uh, thing out when it is uh, safe to do so. A lot of good hot air balloon stuff in there. Oh, mm-hmm. some great hot air balloons. Yeah, great hot air balloon stuff. We were talking about that recently, and yeah, I forgot there was more in this. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, non Air Force One related. You know what you have to uh, give it up to is, and what apparently part of the 360 thing was is now we can do camera moves because 360 those rigs are so crazy you, you can kind of only move back and forth. But you with this 200 degree thing you could tilt, and it is very striking when it tilts up the Eiffel Tower. Uh, and I you think it's cool and like wow that's a big wide grand shot. But the uh, uh, I didn't realize how difficult it was to do that. Just a mere tilt was really insane, and they had to build a special rig uh, to be able to do it. Um, so good job on the tilt, everybody. Great tilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a ple- It's just pleasant. It's, it's that thing that we say about th- uh, some rides, pleasant. It's very pleasant, and that's good. Yeah. Uh, There's a dog parade. A bunch of dogs go by. Shout out the dogs. That's good. The yeah. pastry window uh, revs you up for the pastry Great. shop next door. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that train car. I love the train car. Oh, oh yeah. the train car sequence where it's all where it's like a bunch of the screens and then it goes down to the middle and it feels like the the scenery is rushing by you. That is a great effect. We're eating a nice full meal on a train car. Wouldn't that be Yeah. Fun? Oh my gosh. Oh. So nice. I mean, it oh certainly helps that we've been inside for a year uh <laughs> to make me want to get on a train car and get a meal, but yes, it looks lovely. Food off of a real plate at this point. Seems yeah. Good. Yeah. Instead of me just like crouched by my fridge, like shoveling peanut butter into my mouth from the, <laughs> like this counts as a meal. I miss. Wait, you would do that before we recorded at Shut your up. house? Like, Shut hey. up, Jason. Impressions to your apartment. That's new, Jason. <laughs> That's a new behavior. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's only quarantine. Uh, um, oh, you know one more thing? I like the wallpaper. Matt, you talk about fancy uh, Epcot for fancy boys and girls. Nothing fancier than that wallpaper. It's nice and I don't know if it's gold leafed, or, but it's a golden hue. And I like being in that lobby. Yeah, the little area they keep you in before you go in with the little art, art displays of art and architecture of France is great. People, mm-hmm. fancy French people talking to you, welcoming you there. Yeah. And it's a yeah. nice, it's just every, they really get all the, all the aspects of it, the great scenery and the intimacy of the towns and 
and it's one of the it's a country that really uh has a great history of cinema and really respects the form so that they they have a big grand like movie house to show you uh scenes of their country is is uh very nice Anyone want yeah. us to try to pronounce how they say what the, when we know it's palace, but do you want to guess how that palace is said? Mike, you're the French expert. Oh, yeah. That's a good question, isn't it? Palace with the A-I-S. How do you say it? A-I- Is it Palais? It's probably Palais. Cinema? All right. All right. We, uh, well, thanks for rescuing us, Jason. Um, sure. so we didn't embarrass ourselves further. Uh, uh, and uh, Matt, thank you for giving us an opportunity to talk about this thing for, for a while. Uh, you survived podcast The Ride. Uh, really appreciate you being here. Um, it, let's exit through the gift shop. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no, I, wanna, I came here to plug Impressions to France. Check it out. <laughs> go it. Get those numbers up. Let's keep this thing. Let's push. <laughs> It's, start, it's opening at 6 p.m. now. Let's get down to 5. Let's get popular yeah. enough to carve an hour out of the, the Beauty and the Beast thing. Let's Small, get, achievable goals. Yeah, let's get a Reddit going to make sure everybody gets <laughs> into Impressions de France, driving the popularity of it up. <laughs> let's short it. Let's, let's, no, not short it. We're going to Disney short it. No, we're doing collective action. To oh, you're right. Short I don't know anything works. That's what, I just so don't know how this works that I thought that was shorting. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not no. short it. Yeah, we're not shorting it. We're sticking it to <laughs> Disney who's shorting it. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. You know, you can, people should just like watch the YouTube on repeat. Maybe that's the way to get the numbers up now if you want to. Because let's make impressions to France go viral. And then, yeah, then they'll that, think that's twice. Start, yeah. 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 You can find like high res copies both head on and from the side. And I honestly think the side ones, when you can see a little of the extra screens, it's the effect worked a little mm -hmm. more for me you can but. see happy wedding guests who seem to approve of the ceremony and it's like being in a in the pew like you're sitting next to so it gives you the the sensation of sitting next to someone something we can't do right now oh yeah that's nice. yes yeah so that's really the main reason uh well yeah lots of reasons to watch it matt thanks for uh uh bringing it to the table here uh as for us uh you can check us out on on your favorite social media uh whatever that may be and uh for three bonus episodes every month check out uh podcast the ride the second gate at patreon.com slash podcast the ride um and so au revoir i guess mm -hmm. uh, i'll say je suis désolé i'm sorry to our french <laughs> listeners for not speaking more french <laughs> Uh, uh, what else do I, can I, je suis Michael? No, that's, wait, je, je m'appelle Michael is how to say my name. So I get a little more French there. Mm -hmm. So the end of the uh, episode is I am Michael. I am, yeah. <laughs> All right. I just me, Michael. Michael is what I'm saying <laughs> to the good people of France. So on that um, note, on I that am Michael. Note. Uh, yep. he is Michael. Uh, I'm Scott. That's Jason. Bye-bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced Dog. by Mike Carlson, Jason Sheridan, Scott Gardner, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, Dog. please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe Dog. to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dog. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.